Hello, Tuners. I'm Erin. I'm Victoria. I'm Hebeka. And this is Out of Tune. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our 20th episode. Yay! Number 20 of our (laughs) Opus 2, or Season 2, because we're music nerds, and you're just going to have to deal with it. But how exciting. I think I realized last week when I was like writing number 19 on last week's episode, I was like, wait, wait just a second. (laughs) We've been doing this for 20 episodes. It is wild. Yeah. Wow. Can't wait for the 21st birthday. Maybe we should just have like a small little like wine on the side that'd be really good. with the episode. That'd be kind of cute. Good idea. Yeah. I really... And also the last week of Black History Month next week too. Mm-hmm. So celebrate in the spirit, have some fun. Yeah. Love that. Love. So for today's episode, who yeah. are we talking about? Well, we're talking about two different people today, y'all. Ooh. buckle in get ready so the first person we're talking about is joseph balone chevalier de saint georges damn very very fancy (laughs) and then aaron who else who's the other person we're talking about william grant still yeah junior junior <laughs> <laughs> William Grant still junior <laughs> I forget about it but there was a senior so I guess it's important to differ yeah totally that was just funny oh my gosh <laughs> well we figured we would start uh in chronological order so we're gonna start with Joseph Ballone today um, so I'll just kick it off. Uh, he was born on the island of Guadeloupe, a French colony at the time, to a wealthy planter and an African slave. So he was mixed race. And fortunately, in a way, um, unlike other illegitimate children of the time, his father loved and cared for him and wanted the best for him and knew that the best life for him would be not on the island basically. And so in 1753, when he was seven years old, his family moved to France and they did this so that he could receive um, a proper education. And then by the time he was a teenager, he was actually really well known for fencing. Like he was a popular fencer. Is that? Yeah. Fencer. You're a fencer. I almost said fencist. That's not right. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Um, and actually, uh, racist Frenchmen um, believed that they could beat him because he was black. But that was that was uh, a mistake because yeah. his like he had like a really big winning streak and was very successful. Can I just add something actually that I found mm. very interesting that before his family moved to Paris, um, his father got him to live like by himself oh seven yes years old mm-hmm. and i thought that was very scary too as that um, is people a uh, person of color just like left child. alone yeah left alone. Mm-hmm. i think he was really brave um and also built uh in him this strength because when he was having this uh fencing horse horsemanship um classes and lessons 
he used that to also um, set his reputation as like one of the best or really really good and not and really fight mm. this racism that his own uh, professor uh, was like having on him his own professor would like mock him in public and stuff oh my gosh i didn't know that wow i think he was a very and he was only 13 when that happened so Mm. and then his and then his family moved to paris uh, with him so very interesting that is i didn't realize that um so you may be wondering, why are we talking about him and we haven't mentioned music yet? Well, we're getting to it. Um, so there isn't actually uh, much known about, I'm going to call him Joseph, about Joseph's early musicianship um, based off of the some of the research that I was doing, the first encounter in history that references his skills as a violinist was when he uh, he was 18 and two violin concertos were published that were like that were dedicated to him Hmm. um and then within seven years of that he was the concert master of an established orchestra with which he played his own violin concertos and do you want to hear one sure oh my god (laughs) as always we're going to be playing some music of the composers that we talk about okay so this is the violin concerto number nine in g major and i do believe it is the first movement and i just want you to think while you're listening who maybe this sounds like and then we'll probably get to that later okay because that there's some some juicy drama coming up for everyone (laughs) i'm excited
it kind of slaps, doesn't it? Yeah. Forget how those classical introductions are. (laughs) I know. And I, I, I couldn't, when I was like finding stuff to play earlier or to share, I was trying to figure out like a good like minute, but it just, uh, it didn't work. I had to, yeah, you just, you have to include the whole introduction and it's good too. It is good. We were like dancing around, having a good time. Um, but yeah, so he, he would play his own uh, violin concertos with that orchestra. And he actually wrote like over a dozen of them. And then he also wrote um, some chamber music pieces. And they were composed off of, I guess, the style slash accomplishments of Haydn, who was very popular at the time. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and actually, what I thought was interesting, there was like a belief among I guess like his peers or I guess I don't know who but that um he wasn't going to be able to pull off the virtuosic techniques that many that it was like popular at the time because of his background as a fencer which Mm. makes no sense um but that was like like it was like critical they were being very critical like oh you're a fencer you're not a musician like you can't do this but like here he is doing it (laughs) um so yeah and then Around this time, he became a knight or chevalier, which is his title, Chevalier de Saint-Georges. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So it was like at the same time as his reputation as a musician was also rising. Yeah. So as his, yes. So there is something that talks about his education and I couldn't exactly find what he was studying, but it was like, it was saying like upon his graduation, he became a knight or a chevalier. Yeah. Um, it was in the Royal Polytechnic Academy. Yeah. Like not music. That is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yes. And then also around this time, he became the music director of the orchestra that he was the concert master of and he successfully turned that orchestra into one of the leading performing ensembles in all of Europe. And because it was so popular, the Queen of France, Marie Antoinette, was able to sneak into the concerts without any fanfare, which was super weird for French aristocracy at the time because like they were living large, living life, mm-hmm. let them eat cake kind of deal, right? So, um that was like to me that really stood out it was like that's kind of strange that she just yeah. snuck into concerts but um he was super popular and talented and then there's also a record um that he played one of his violin sonatas and she uh, marie antoinette accompanied him on piano whoa wow. isn't that crazy mm-hmm. now unfortunately it wasn't always so great like we're saying a lot of nice things that like were happening in his life um but his race got in the way of a lot of things during his life. He only really had one. Wait. Super- oh, oh, sorry. Let's go ahead. Raise this. I think we we could say that people like racist people. Yes, okay. absolutely. Um, there you go. Yes, racist people got in the way of his life. That's correct. Um, and he only had one serious relationship his entire life, and he didn't end up marrying at all. Mm-hmm. Which is sad for some reason. That's because he couldn't um, marry anyone at his level because of 
French stupid racist. They're society and all, they're like society too. I think at the yeah. time, which is it was really strange. Also because of that, he can like inherit anything from his father, and his father was like kind of rich. But yes, he to, yeah, he, he didn't inherit anything. Her, yeah, because he was not a legitimate mm. like, uh, son. Yes. Just going um, back real quick for the orchestra he was playing. Uh-huh. I find it, it was very interesting because uh, they don't know. Um, we couldn't find like where or when he met um, Gosek. I don't know how to say his first name. I only I know him that. because of Suzuki. I know. I was <laughs> to say that. So we have like a few or one piece of him. I have no this idea. <laughs> I can't remember right now in which book. But yeah, I remember his name, like because we had we would have to like memorize oh. all the composer's name, and I remember his name. And Gosek actually dedicated a set of six string trios for him. Which yeah, it was really nice. And also, Lol, um, Antonio Loli composed two concertos dedicated for him, and oh. it, and, and it was Gosek's orchestra that he was. Uh, playing and yeah, where he's had his souls and everything. Wow, I didn't connect that. That's amazing. Wow. Well, yeah, as you said, his father died. He didn't receive any inheritance, which is sad as well. But I guess illegitimacy, you know, child, you don't get anything, which is stupid. Um, and then also this was around the time, like when his, when his career was like getting more established, he was nicknamed the Black Mozart, um, which. You could hear, re- hear it, right? I, I mean, when we first heard the first clip, I was going to mention that. It yeah, like exactly. Yeah. So right? the, yeah, if anyone was thinking Mozart during his violin concerto, yeah, completely. Um, yeah, so I have a big, I have a really big issue with this, and I kind of want to talk. I'm we're gonna pause our history lesson just for a second and talk about this because um, when I was doing research for or for the pieces of music that I wanted to share, which I also forgot to share the string quartet. I have we'll, oh. we'll listen to that <laughs> later. Um, but there's the you know the Toffel Music Baroque Orchestra, kind I- of. you've heard of like they're they're well known like I've seen them like live actually and one of their albums is based off of his music but the title of the of the album is the uh the noir Mozart Mm. which I really don't like and then there's a picture like like a like a portrait picture of like Mozart but with like a darker face that's and I messed up. It's wow. so messed up. And I and that I was like, okay, that has to be like, I don't know, years ago it was like released. Yeah. Nope, 2017. What? And I was so taken aback by that. I was I don't know why that it really, really bothers me that uh, a really well-known ensemble orchestra put that as their cover art and also titled the album that. Yeah, no. That's... Call say what his name is. He's not the Black Mozart because doing that, it yeah. it doesn't acknowledge him on his own merits and basically like erases his voice as a human. Yes. Yeah. And it also it just doesn't do him justice as an individual. Um. And actually, 
what I found out, which it also made me think of is because that moniker, the black Mozart was actually came from concert posters of like advertising concerts so that it would draw people in because Mm -hmm. Mozart, you know, obviously was like this huge person. And what ended up happening though, is that they, the two of them, um, Joseph and Mozart were actually receiving equal billing for their concerts. And this ticked off Mozart really bad. Um, he was not a fan that he was being like that people were comparing Joseph to him and that he was receiving like the same amount of like money from concerts really, really made him mad. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have some more stuff later, but through the history lesson, Mozart comes up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was really taken aback by the Toffle Music Baroque Orchestra. Um, really sad to see such like name on the music classical music industry mm-hmm. behaving with such like racist attitude it, right. it is it's completely racist and i i it's but it's also like the same thing as like co- like concert posters in the 1700s were doing like mozart is a name do you know what i mean and now yeah. we're in 2017 a group is doing the same thing i mean we should have like figure it out by now that that's kind of wrong like i think any of us even like me in 2017 i think i would have realized like no no just call him by his name it's really not that hard it's all it's literally not hard no joseph balone period done i mean you don't even you don't even have to say the chevalier de saint george his name is just joseph balone Period. Maybe they did do it for the money, but it's like, is it I think it? they totally did for like for people because I mean, yes, he is an unknown composer, but be- him being unknown is due to racist, to racist reasons. Mm-hmm. And I just, ugh. anyway, there we can go on and on about it, but ways, yeah, they they could have done it better in other ways. Yeah, like also advertising. Maybe also putting the Mozart name on the cover, but mm-hmm. but it also, also raises a question. Name. Yeah, like, but it also raises a question now of like, is is he like Mozart or is Mozart like him? Which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, we'll get to in a minute. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's a great leading question. <laughs> Say <it>. sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I try. I'm so proud of you. Victor. Thank you so much. Anyway, um, so also, so as his, as his career is taking off, he's, you know, getting more concerts, getting more money for concerts, and he actually would have taken over the beginnings of the Paris Opera, Paris Opera House, super famous. Um, however, a group of sopranos banded together in order to stop his appointment, and they basically were like, we refuse to work under someone of mixed race, and is the reason why he didn't become the director. Um, but ironically, he took this and was like, haha, I don't need you. Um, and ironically, this is like the reason he started composing opera in the first place from that experience. Nice. Um, and so around at this time, like after this time where he was basically like, no, you can't be the director. Um, his like music was solely focusing on opera and not so much on like instrumental music. Interesting. Um, however, but there's always a but, unfortunately, his first opera did not do well and left him pretty broke. <laughs> um, luckily for him, the aristocrat um the aristocracy uh 
still like really loved him and he was able to take residency with the Marquise de Montesson who was just like a super rich lady she's kind of unimportant um but she wanted him to become the music director of her like private theater that she has that she like would have like parties and shows at and stuff like that now when he took this residency with her guess who was also staying there Mozart Mozart our guy Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was also there and I think it's kind of well known that they did not get along I think it's more on Mozart's side because I think he was jealous IJS Um, but some people of course attribute this to like they're not getting along to Mozart's opinions about the French because this was super well known like Mozart thought French people were like immoral musically illiterate just like degenerates right um but other people were also like well yeah he was also like mozart wasn't doing too hot financially at the time so like seeing um joseph's like past success like really bugged him and his joseph's second opera did really well and mozart like hated this got super angry because he felt that his music was stronger than his and this leads to something really interesting that I literally, like, my mouth dropped open <laughs> reading it because I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so, so, that's, yeah, that's it. Just so just in me. Mozart's opera, The Magic Flute, mm-hmm. there is a Black villain character that is supposedly based off of Joseph. Yikes. What? I don't know. I can't remember. It starts with an M, the character's name. I should have written it down. I didn't but it doesn't matter because it's Mozart's music and Mozart is whatever. Um, but yeah, isn't, isn't that interesting? Um, and, uh, another thing that I found is that, uh, so actually this is connected to who we were talking about last week. Um, we were talking about the, uh, Jinike orchestra and the founder Chichi Nwanoku. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, she's a document, uh, documentarian. I can't speak today. A documentarian. And she has found evidence that Mozart copied line for line parts of Bologna's violin concertos and put it in uh, his symphony concertant. Oh, God. That's awful. Yeah. Mozart was the bad guy. Yeah. And so there's the question of basically Mozart whitewashing Bologna's music oh my god and now i i mean this question was in my mind the whole time how come we know about mozart and not about joseph yeah well i also have an answer to that too if they were like competing about like and mozart was even copying his music they were it means like they were in the same level i mean of composition and of Mm -hmm. yeah uh, working and professional environment and stuff how come we don't know i mean i've never heard of him before before our episode yeah me either i heard about him i think once before but i didn't know anything about him (laughs) so um and i don't even think we talked about him in like our music music history survey of like oh we're gonna talk about black composers for two weeks or something like that yeah um, which so is so wrong. unfortunate because it's also like, like, a, like there's opinions that like Joseph's violin concertos are like technically a lot harder than Mozart's, which listening to that, yeah, it, it definitely is. 
Um, like we should be playing Jeff Joseph's uh, concertos to get in like to audiences and orchestras and, and schools. Yeah. Also with the Mozart's ones. Not mm-hmm. only Mozart. Like why do we have to learn like Mozart three, four and five? Try like the violin. It's like the standard canon. Annoying. Abolish the canon. Abolish the canon. Every time we have this episode, we have to say it at least once. (laughs) I like the about abolish the canon. (laughs) Um. So yeah, make of this feud what you will. Um. I completely. There's a lot of. I mean, there's no evidence to support the the black character in the magic flute but there is also some other articles i was reading that was saying that like scholar scholars wouldn't like wouldn't dispute that claim because their feud was so widely like like popularized like it was it was well known at the time so very interesting moment (laughs) i there's a tear coming here because it's actually really sad you guys i just it is i was just like no thinking about it how come like we're so racist in this point i think now i'm realizing how bad is the canon it is it's the canon is a whitewashed thing and i i always go back to what our professor mariana said in class where she was like the canon is something that is dead but trying to pretend to be alive or something like that which is just so a perfect way to describe what it is because it's just it's i don't know antiquated but that's not a strong enough word <sighs> so anyway hashtag abolish the canon hashtag dismantle it hashtag mozart sucks um <laughs> let's play <laughs> i want to play i want to play his concertos they yes. they literally slapped like that was so good my next orchestra audition i'm gonna be playing joseph's concerto I support gonna be like who and then we're like this is not Mozart honey (laughs) 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 oh my gosh so okay I guess we'll continue a little bit so let's see where was I oh yes so after this feud and stuff because like we all know that Mozart died like super young so Joseph lived past him Mm. um and unfortunately, more of sad news, Joseph's orchestra uh, was forced to disband due to the financial upheaval caused by the American Revolution. Yikes. Us Americans. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess a silver lining, due to the uh, wealthy patrons um, who like loved Joseph, they were able to finance many reunion concerts in the years after. So there was still some concerts and still some some composing going on. But another but this is just like but and then this happened and then but um, the wealthy patrons were were old people and they started passing away, <laughs> which made uh, Joseph kind of nervous about what future he was going to have. But he was like he wasn't specifically like tethered to anything like he had no like like things he had to do no obligations and this freedom helped him manifest um i guess his sympathy with anti-monarchist feelings which is why he and i don't know how this happened um but he was appointed as like a diplomat um and was sent to britain to secure good relations with the future king as well as lobby for the um abolition of slavery nice yeah 
And both goals were met with moderate success. And he was uh, even able to make himself known as a fencer and violinist while in Britain. So while he was there. Um, And then I also came across like a, I guess, I mean, it's not funny. It's cute. It's like a cute anecdote. So he actually got really sick while he was over there. um, And it, like, we know now that it was meningitis, but it left him unconscious for days. Thankfully, he recovered. And he thanked his, like, people, like, the caretakers um, by writing them an opera. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) Just casual. Just, oh, thank you so much. Here's an opera I wrote you. (laughs) Um, So I thought that was nice. I just, I had to share that. I thought it was too good to pass up. If you guys Um, ever take care of me when I'm sick, all I can, all I will do is probably just literally say thank you I'm yeah i can't do, i literally like here's whole like my whole five dollars in my bank account <laughs> i can play happy birthday and the violin in your birthday and that's like my max you know that's what i'm doing masters for wow <laughs> so he left britain but when he got back the french revolution was still like woo crazy right and he signed up to fight for his ideals and he became a colonel in the Legion Saint-Georges, which was an all-black regiment. And um, which also was obviously not that popular at the time. And also, I think scholars are, what from the, from the rhetoric that I was reading, they were surprised that he would do it just because of his experiences with, you know, being mixed race and racist ideals getting in the way a lot. Um, in his life but he was a very big believer in fighting for what was right um and then i'm not sure of the details but he was imprisoned for more than a year during it and he uh when he was set free he wasn't able to get back his position in the army so he turned back to music and started doing that more and there are some uh uh what do you call it like accounts or records that he felt that his playing abilities in this part of his life were the best however he passed away uh in 1799 at the age of 53 from a bladder condition oh you know we have to practice this more every time we say something like nice we just come with a bad thing right after. Yeah. Just give, uh, like a few seconds after the nice thing, you know. Let us so let us have that joy and then. Okay. For a few I'm... seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then more bad news, I guess. Kind of. I mean, he died, which is really sad. And then more bad news. Um, his music was shunned, and his oh. manuscripts were destroyed during the uh, Napoleonic era. Oh. So, what music we actually do have of his? that is like survive that survives is only partial to like all of his works that he composed so let me play some for you guys i forgot to play um the string quartet yes i was gonna okay so this is gonna be quartet number three in g minor and this is i believe the first movement it does not say but i don't know why i would pick the third movement but here we go
that beautiful? Yeah. Lovely. It's so good. Okay, so I have two more pieces okay. by our dear Joseph. So the next one I will be playing is Symphony Number no. 1 in G Major. And not the whole thing, obviously, but here we go. brain is so conditioned to be like this sounds so mozart like we could say that is very uh like the style of the Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's very 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 classical um and then the last (laughs) (laughs) um and then the last piece i have is actually a harpsichord sonata um this is gonna be it's sonata number 10 in f major also let me backtrack real quick the symphony was the third movement what i just played and then i'm also going to be playing the third movement of the sonata number 10 in f major again it just kind of slaps doesn't it like it's so good (laughs) really good yeah so our guy joseph i'm gonna always think of him now and remember him me too 
definitely mm. provides some insight. I think it gives a fuller picture of the classical era too. And I agree. Yes. You never think about this stuff, especially in like France. Like it's not something that gets talked about. So I only think it would add to a history class. It wouldn't subtract anything. Not it. I totally agree with you. Why I just... wasn't it included? Everyone loves Mozart drama. This is just another bit of it. Maybe it makes them look a little bad. I mean, but my opinion, okay. my opinion on on Mozart has changed significantly after this research. Yeah, I mean, I just, is, is his music good? Yeah, but also we can look at the bad parts of him too, just like we do with yeah. our politicians and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like with with other composers that we know the bad sides, like yeah. Wagner. or even like our favorite YouTubers, we know their bad sides too. Mm -hmm. We them sometimes. I feel like, I mean, another thing that I was reading, I, I I don't like that what we remember him or what what history is still naming him as this Black Mozart. Like, that's how we yeah. remember him, I think. Why can't we just remember him as, like, being the first known classical composer of African ancestry? Like, why can't it be that, exactly. you know? Yeah. Instead of, oh, he, he was the Black Mozart. No, stop it. It just puts um Mozart in a higher position as Jay-Z. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. I just have one thing to add Absolutely. to this section before we move on. And I was wondering if I could play something too. <gasps> no, you can't. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. So the first critical edition of his long surviving opera the anonymous lover was prepared mm. by opera re wait opera Ricciolata, yeah for streaming performance by los angeles opera and colburn school in november 2020 so wow so so very, recent very recent they have a website with the score you can purchase and they, they also have a area that i would like to play absolutely website opera retrovada and they have more stuff for you to check out amazing nice thank you before we move on yes what can we take okay. from joseph what can what's our i think i have an idea what i'm gonna i feel like 
there's a huge thing, especially now, I think, with social media and also within like social circles of labels being labeled. And then he like obviously is more than his label, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like that is something that I'm going to take away from him is just being more than what people think of you. Yeah. Don't be also who you want to be. Don't be who people expect you to be. Oh, yes. Um, And just standing up for yourself. I'm sure, like, we don't know exactly. I wish we knew more about what went on and how he was as a person and -hmm. his personality. But I'm sure he was a fighter. I'm sure he didn't let people walk all over him. Just knowing where he got to, even in his position, being surrounded by racist people. Mm -hmm. To know that he still made it that far is inspiring. Yeah. Even though we don't all have the same struggles, you can take away just to keep pushing no matter what. Mm. That's awesome. I would say the same thing. Um, his whole, like, when I look to his story as a whole, I can see a part where he really fought for what he wanted and he really persevered and he made his reputation like he got i mean he was the one that got like the award like the nominations and he was the one that made the contact even though his father had some social uh, like social standing yeah standing it wasn't um he couldn't like carry his father's name so mm-hmm. it was like him mm-hmm. it was really his hard work and yeah i i i just think about like his family too like having a father not uh, that couldn't like support him as much as he could because of all the french laws and also a mom that when when she had him she was 16 so she was very young she's very young yeah uh i just take all of this and i think wow he was an amazing person to really persevere through Mm -hmm. everything he went through Mm. agreed 100 percent agree beautifully said yes all right so now fast forward yeah, fast forward through history a little bit. I guess only like a hundred. Wow, only a hundred. <laughs> it feels like it should be longer, just knowing how different things were. But that is true. Know, yeah, hundred to two hundred years, given that mm. uh, still lived for quite a long time. All right, so we're talking about William Grant Still Jr. He was <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Woodville, Mississippi, and his father. William Grant still senior. (laughs) (laughs) He passed away when Junior was was only three months old. So his mother, single mom, now moved them to Little Rock, Arkansas, which is very important in the U.S. That's a big, like, big little town. Uh, And she taught English and then remarried to a man named Charles B. Shepherdson. He's not super important, but, you know, I mean, there's his name. I just have a question. Yeah. I I don't know if you're going to say that. Okay, you're going to say that. Okay, go what? ahead. About Little Rock. Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't have much more to say about Little Rock. 
okay so <laughs> Rebecca's else? like okay I'll go right now <laughs> yeah because when I when I, I I mean I am not from here so mm -hmm. Little Rock it stood in my head when I first heard yeah and the first time we heard about Little Rock and this podcast oh Florence Price oh, yeah. yes oh my gosh so I never thought about that he is actually seven years younger than than her oh. oh so when he moved she was already there oh cute <laughs> that is cute that is so i like to connect things i was wondering actually so that's helpful that's lovely thank you for yeah. that information Rebecca. yeah you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> but yeah oh, i like you know i i get this i don't know well I assume he liked his stepdad. I also like my stepdad. So I, I was just like, oh, that's kind of cute when you get that connection to the not parent who is now your parent. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> to give context to that weird comment. Um, so Charles B. Shepardson, his stepdad, took him to operettas, performances of musicians on tour, and they bought records together. I just think that's really oh, cute. That's so cute. A good way to comfort a little kid who's in, like, a weird family situation. But, yeah, so clearly he liked music, hence why they did all of that. And still started lesson, violin lessons at 15 and then, like, also learned pretty much every other instrument. So viola, cello, double bass, clarinet, saxophone, oboe. Wait, hang on just a second here. <laughs> viola? I know. Viola. Wow. We haven't had a viola player on here in a few episodes, so. No. That's I just think that's cool. Well, also, he graduated at 16. Like, okay, hello, late, like... I'm so jealous. so late, which, like, same, so that's cool. And then he graduated and learned everything else. Like, I'm just curious, like, I I'm is curious. He a like, is he just, is he a prodigy, kind of, or no? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I wish I could have seen a day in his life vlog. I mean, I yeah. I don't learn 7,000 instruments by myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> 7,000. Oh, man. But, yeah, his mom. Oh, sorry. His mom wanted him to go to med school, so he went to a historical black college in Ohio called the Wilberforce University to pursue a bachelor's in science, but his interest in music still, like, flourished. So he directed the university band, learned even more instruments, and started composing, and he ended up leaving that college without a degree, which I thought was interesting. Wow. Um, taking the path unknown. Love but that. Then he ended up getting some money from his father, like I think a legacy type situation. Mm. And he got to go study at Oberlin, which is kind of like a big music school here. And it's in Ohio too, I think. Right? Middle of nowhere, Ohio. Yeah, middle of nowhere. And to afford his education, I this is like so relatable. To afford his education, he assisted the janitor at Oberlin and then did a ton of odd jobs outside of school. But he like still struggled financially like dude i mean same like <laughs> yeah i wanted to just comment on that because man i feel you yeah. yeah but then a professor asked him why he wasn't studying composition and still admitted that it was due to financial reasons and after learning this his professor george andrews began to teach still composition for free 
which is really sweet. Oh, that's really amazing. Nice. Yeah. And then they created a scholarship just for him to continue. Like, they crafted one. They found money for him. They were just like, oh, here's this money that we don't, we yeah. don't use. <laughs> so that he could keep studying composition, which I th- that's just cool. That yeah. Cool. Yeah, and then after college, he worked in, like, pop music, so he um, played in orchestras with people like Artie Shaw and Don Voorhees. I assume, like, they were half classical and half kind of, like, jazz orchestra, jazz band orchestra. Um, And then he... I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I did a little bit of research on that because I thought it was so interesting. Uh When I was searching the names, like, he worked at... Have you gotten in the Memphis, uh, in Memphis already? No. Okay, I'm going to come in real quick on that because okay. it's the more popular side that he he worked with William Christopher Handy. And do you guys know him? Do you guys know mm-hmm. this name? Because I didn't know. No, I don't know this a, name. He was a composer and musician who referred uh, to himself as the father of the blues. Oh wow! Andy was one of the most influential songwriters in the in the U.S. Uh, at his time, one of the many musicians who played the uh, American blues, uh, and he was one of the uh, one of the ones that really took the blues, really made it very popular. Mm-hmm. And during the time that he was working with that uh, with him, he met. Uh, other very important cultural figure uh, figures figures as uh, Langston Hughes, Ellen Locke, Arna Bontemps, and Count Cullen. I hope I'm saying the names right. <laughs> so I have a, a question about that actually because mm. um, the, uh, these names are very uh, associated to the Harlem. Uh, Harlem Renaissance, and do you guys know what it is? I have learned okay. about it, but I I've learned about it. Uh, Real quick, <laughs> please, please inform us. Please yeah. educate <laughs> us. Uh, so, instead of the promised land many um, people had envisioned, the white supremacy had uh, took their rights, and they just restored um the slavery to the new south mm. um so starting starting around 1890 african americans migrated to the north in great numbers this great mi- migration and eventually relocated hundreds hundreds of thousands of um, african americans from the rural south to the urban north Many discovered their shared common experience and their past histories. And one of uh, those things was the music, was the jazz. So um, one of the big aspects of the Harlem Renaissance that shaped America was the the jazz. Mm, Yes. Yes, I did know that. Okay. So my question was, when he moved from Wood, Woodville, Mississippi, to Little Rock, Arkansas, was it part also part of the Great Migration? Um, um, Arkansas is still the South, so Ar- yeah, I, Arkansas yeah. Is still s- Arkansas. Yeah, I know. I was I was checking on the map because I'm 
<laughs> so endearing. Know. Oh my god. I was like, is it is it considered? I, I knew that he was. I wouldn't. Out, but... I wouldn't think so. But he did move up to New. Like he moved. Yeah. He did move up Miami, later on to yeah. New York. Yeah. So that could definitely be considered yeah. part of it. Well, he was also part of this important. Yeah. Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. Definitely. And he also um made like arrangements and wrote for radio shows like Deep River Hour on mm -hmm. yes, which is cool. That is cool. Definitely part of the like popular culture. Yeah. Um I didn't expect he would be so much into the popular part. No. in some very interesting orchestras to like the orchestra for Noble Cecil and Obi Blake. They were also pop pop uh, popular composers and uh, song producers mm -hmm. but yeah and then he he also ended up going back to study at NEC with George Chadwick and Edgar Varese which is French and I probably am not saying it right I feel like I've seen that name before yeah they're fit V-A-R-E-S-E -E, yeah 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 and again like on scholarships that were made just for him which is Oh man, I'm just like that's amazing. It is amazing, and it's really cool that the schools were there to do that, and like they did it for him to help him because clearly they saw some talent. Mm -hmm. They were pushing, you know, everything was so racist back then. Like, I don't know. To me, it, it, it's good for this like schools that gives me like hope. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he was very widely known in New York Symphony. Or oh my god. New York City <laughs> <laughs> around the 20s in the roaring 20s and then what a time I know right we're in it right now the roaring yeah. 20s <laughs> and then in 1931 his Afro-American symphony was performed by the Rochester Philharmonic and it was the first time that a full score written by an African-American was performed by a major orchestra Mm. he's got a lot of firsts so that's the first of all of his firsts um mm. let me play a little bit of that symphony for you i will i'm excited
so jazzy. Wow. You can really hear the influence of the popular music. And I know. It's gorgeous, too. It is. Just good music. But yeah. And I like that the title of the movement is called Longing. And in the like opening oboe line, you can really feel it. Like Mm -hmm. leading, leading. And then there's some. It's it's good. It's good. (laughs) Okay. All right, and then eventually he moved to L.A., and he received a Guggenheim Fellowship, which I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds super impressive. Super fancy. Yeah, and then he also conducted the L.A. Fellow at the Hollywood Bowl, another first, making him the first African-American to conduct a major orchestra in a performance of his own works. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then in 19... He just... He did a lot, so I tried to grab the highlights, and in 1939, he composed Song of a City for the New York City World's Fair, which, um, for if anyone doesn't know the World's Fair, they used to be really popular, but super popular. There were huge events where everyone from all, like, the, each country would send representatives of the arts there. So, like, WC would be, at, probably not the New York one, but that's where WC got all of his influence from Asian music. Mm hmm transcribed it into pentatonic scales (laughs) but you know they were huge back in the day everyone would go they were huge attractions so that's really cool Mm. and then in 1949 his opera called troubled island was performed by the new york city opera and another first it was the first work that the company performed by an american like overall not just an african-american wow and the first by an african-american to perform by any major opera company Mm. um which that's a huge accomplishment but he still was still upset because he got some negative reviews it's okay dude (laughs) you got so much other stuff going for you and then in 1955 he became the first african-american to conduct a major orchestra in the deep south um, and he performed with the New Orleans Philharmonic. Wow. Yeah, that seems all... really huge, too. I know. Yeah. Hmm. And then his works were performed all over the world by Berlin Phil, Tokyo Philharmonic, BBC Philharmonic. For good reason, too. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's like, why was this skipped over in music history class? Yeah, I don't remember any of this. Or No, never what? learned about him. I think I knew about his Afro-American symphony. Yeah. Because I feel like if you, if you like, hear of William Grant still, the reason is because of this symphony. Right. But I can't tell you anything else he's done. So much good music. And also, like, all... That was, like, five firsts in a row. And yeah. not even yeah. all of them were just because of being an African-American. No, someone was just for being an American. Like, mm. I don't know. I think it should be a topic of the day if you ask me but (laughs) all right so i have a couple more things here first of all i wanted to share some of the piano music just because it's really beautiful Mm, okay
figured Victoria would like that. I like it too. It's gone. I am melting. You know how I am about a lovely piano piece. And I will be literally adding that to my piano playlist <laughs> it was after called, we record. Yeah. Wow. And it was called Three Visions, and this is number two, Summerland. It was just, like, the number oh. one thing on the Spotify, like, on his page. That's amazing. Yeah, I Incredible. love piano music like that, too. I listened to it earlier today, and it was nice. Mm. And then I have two... Okay, I also just found this while browsing Spotify. Um, he wrote a piece called And They Lynched Him on a Tree. Hmm. And for his story, I, I mean, I was just like, oh, okay. Because you don't hear about this kind of music. So I did some research on it. And um, it was written in 1940, the year after Billie Holiday recorded her famous performance of Strange Fruit, which I remember talking about in my jazz history class. It's one of them that's like in protest of lynching. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And it was, I'm sure, controversial. I forget what it was about, but it's kind of eerie to listen to. Mm. Um, and a woman named, a poet, a white poet named Catherine Garrison Chapin? 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 Um, she wrote the poem and then he wrote the music to it. Oh, and wow. It, yeah. And it was around the time when um, they were trying to pass an anti-lynching bill, but it was threatened by a filibuster, which I see. is a mm. political thing. Man, our history is messed up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a, I think it's important to mention this stuff. Oh, absolutely. Especially okay. to know that these composers were... And reacting to politics. They were reacting. Absolutely. It, you know, I don't know. But you can listen. I picked a, a couple. They're like vocal and orchestral. Okay. Um, so this is number one. Yeah, that one's called We've Swung Him Higher, which... Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, the the music... It's super programmatic. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it, I think, accurately portrays, like, the horror of this situation. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the background of, like, a horror movie or, like, a 
scene in an opera where mm, yeah. stuff's going down. A lot of emotional tension as well. Yeah. Was only me or someone else also heard like some Star Wars theme? <laughs> oh, Darn I did Vader. not. No? Okay. I Maybe know. a little. Like it does sound like film music a little bit. Very film music, yeah. Here's um, movement number five, which I also don't know. Which I also don't remember the name. I've got to get the hang of this hitting play thing. I don't know how you do it, Victoria. <laughs> it takes talent. What can I say? <laughs> Just okay. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> in this piece i know i am gonna listen to the whole thing after we're done here it's a statement it's really good too why don't we why have i never heard of this before i know i feel like it would make for such a i mean number one it's good music to listen to but also historically like it's something to say in a concert for sure yeah and i also like we, 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 there's a huge part of music history and also music theory, I guess, too, like talking about text painting, word painting. And like, this would be such a great example to use instead of using like whatever we always, I don't even remember what we always listen yeah, to. Um, What's like, you know what I mean? Like our... bird calls or like blah, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's my sigh of frustration. I know. I'm glad I found the piece though, because it's yeah. really nice. It's Something else. really, really nice. Mm -hmm. It's again, hmm. just a powerful message. Yeah. So, what can we take from from William? That's a good well, question. If you want to learn more about his life, his wife wrote a biography yeah. about him. So, it's really sweet oh wow Her name is verna rv and you can find on his website he has a website and you can oh. also uh contact um his group i guess <laughs> their email hmm. but answering your question for me i think it's to um I don't necessarily think he was afraid to break boundaries, but don't hesitate to break boundaries and don't. He had a lot of firsts, yeah. right? 
And I feel like don't be afraid to be the first person to do something right. or to do something because, or to be afraid to do something because no one else has done it before. Because I feel like that's the best way you're going to get your voice heard. Right. I agree. Mm. I agree. Yeah. That's my, my big takeaway from William Grant Still Jr. I agree. Yeah. That's a good takeaway. Mm. It's hard too. Cause like, he does have so many accomplishments, and they're huge. They really are. Um, but I know um, he obviously had to struggle and overcome some things. It's kind of like you know Brahms was so afraid to write a symphony after Beethoven because he's like, what the what the heck do I do? Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of makes sense in this situation too. That same fear of like, oh, I'm the one. Like, really, it's me. I'm the next. I'm the one. I'm the first one. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, so I I like that. Don't be afraid to be the first. Yeah. Well, taking your phrase, don't be afraid. We're going to go to our Portuguese word of the day. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful segue that was, Rebecca. No, thank you. You're welcome. And so uh I don't want to have this I don't, I truly believe we shouldn't like just reinforce the don'ts. But we should like say the do's. So <laughs> you should do, you should do have courage. So today's word is coraging. Coraging. Yeah, coraging. Coraging. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's like an M at the end. Coraging. But like you start to say the M, but you don't finish it. Coraging. Yeah, in Portuguese, we don't quite like close the mouth for M's. It very interesting. Basically sound sounds like M's. So coraging. Mm. Coraging. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was just thinking about it. I find language is so fascinating. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, speaking Coraging. of I don't have a segue. Just kidding. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, I forgot to do my on this day in music history, which is totally fine. Um, and honestly, my, I think one of my reasons I didn't do it last week is because I didn't, I wanted to try to connect it to black history, but every single week I haven't been able to, um, unfortunately the history we are in right now from years ago is centered around white people, which, but, um, I figured I would just mention something today. So, actually, this is for... Tom- okay, we're recording this on a Thursday for the first time in forever. And nothing happened on February 18th in music history. However, something did happen on February 19th in music history. Nice. Um, and in 1923, John Sibelius's Sixth Symphony premiered. Mm. So I found that to be quite interesting. Sibelius is nice. Yeah um besides that haven't been able to find anything else that would be of interest so <laughs> that's okay yeah not every day is interesting not every day can be a fun music history fact mm-hmm. but anyway well i guess it's our favorite question of the pod how was your tuning this week mine was bad Mine was bad too. <laughs> Remember last week, and I said it can only go up from here. Well, oh, that was yeah. apparently a lie. <laughs> oh, no. Can I start? Yeah, <laughs> no. please go ahead. Well, 
yesterday i sprained my ankle (laughs) which was a super fun thing for me to do um it was a very simple day Uh, we had our scale exam in the morning with our studio the violin studio as one does uh, twice a semester (laughs) (laughs) and um after that i was like oh i'm just gonna tidy up a little bit no big deal and the sun hadn't come out yet i remember yesterday it did come out like in the afternoon you know but in massachusetts it's mostly very over overcast lots of clouds it's gray i kind of love it but things don't melt things kind of stay ice Mm -hmm. and i went to go take out the trash because i was being a good person i was being a good roommate and i was taking out the trash and i first went to the trash to the dumpster which is very close to my apartment literally you guys it's like 20 steps it's not far and i went like i walked through an empty space and then as i came back i like literally put the dumpster or not the dumpster i put the trash in the dumpster and i came back and someone had pulled into the empty space that i walked through and the only option i had was to walk in between some cars take it back to my apartment and that was the wrong mistake um i slipped and you know that thing like when you're falling in midair And you're like, okay, let's try to save yourself. So I like moved my foot to try to catch me. That was the wrong mistake because that foot slid again because I was on ice. (laughs) And I then made the decision in midair as I'm falling where I was like, okay, something's going to happen and I'm just going to fall so I don't hurt my hands Mm -hmm. because that's my living. Um, (laughs) I don't need to play violin with my feet. I don't need my feet. They're useless to me. Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) So um, this has happened twice before in my life, and here we are a third time. At least this time it wasn't as severe as the first two times. Um, So anyway, here I am. um, And that was the big event in my week. So everything else was fine. I mean, we're still online Mm -hmm. for this week. Class was fine. Class is great, actually. The one class I'm in this semester is fantastic. I get to see your beautiful faces and our favorite professor, and it's wonderful. Um. So I'm going to give this week, I think I gave it a six last, I'm going to give it a six, this, a six again. I don't want to go below a six <laughs> because I literally told myself it would be a priority to make it better than a six. So I'm just going to stay at a six. Nice. Anyway, yeah. that was my TED talk. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> All I right. you very much. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm here every week. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, on another uh, <laughs> another not a great note. Um, oh, wait, we have a follow up from last week, Erin. Oh, what? We do job interview. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we have to oh, let the yeah. listeners know. Did you get your job? I did get my job. Yeah, that is good. That is good. I got my job at the Children's Museum, which I'm looking for. I got okay. Yeah, not everything's negative, Erin. I get to go. <laughs> I'm having a negative day, negative Nancy today. That's but... fine. That's allowed. Yeah. So I get to go to my new job on Sunday, which is really good. Mm. I am very excited about that. And I feel very lucky to have gotten it um, minutes after getting that phone call, though. One of my roommates quite. Yeah. You had an issue. You basically you had an issue. Yeah, I had an issue and one of my roommates got violent, like, physically, and Mm. I think it's impacting me a little bit more than I thought it was. Um, Well, luckily, I got to go to Chris's house for 
like four days or something. Safe I think haven. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, to get away for a while. But thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> but yeah, then I—I I mean, I had to come back. Luckily, my landlord is exceeding any and all expectations. He's been very kind in helping us find solutions. Wow, um, that's he amazing. offered to let me move out if I felt like I was in physical danger. But you know, when it comes down to it, um. Number one, the stress of like paying more money for a studio apartment would be a lot right now. And, oh my like, god, yeah. Yeah, so, and I also don't think my roommate will do that again unless anything, but if it does happen again, then I will move out. Yeah, you have options. Yeah, so That's that good. was really nice of him. And then he also gave us the proposal, like for all of the roommates. Um, to terminate the lease on May 31st, which would also be a good option. Just yeah. like free for, for free because he's really nice, which is... That's incredible. Yeah, most landlords are like not nice. So mm -hmm. the fact that he was nice, uh, oh my God, blew away my expectations. But yeah, so that like sucked a lot. And it's just brought up the anxiety. Look, I mean... Yeah. Luckily, my other roommates are great and they've been really supportive and we've stuck together a little bit but ironically bonding i'm sure yeah <laughs> it was just rough and it's still rough and i you know i have to tiptoe around the house but i'm so sorry yeah it is, we it support is. you yeah and you. we love you i love you i'll give the week a four out of ten four out of ten it can only go up from here <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i'll make it a priority <laughs> this week to make it go we'll up. both make it priorities we're gonna it's gonna be higher than a four and a six for yeah. us Habeka, yeah. it's your turn now <laughs> so i won't create any ex 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 this is for next week <laughs> <I'll> just like <laughs> see let's see what's gonna happen um my week wasn't wasn't that bad but i think now that we are on the third week of classes we are on a routine that it is hard to I find very hard to move forward with mm, yes mm, consistent practice consistent everything I am not consistent <laughs> so Me either I'm not either and a lot of aspects that has been uh, impacting very neg negatively in my routine um also totally random in the beginning of the week NCT had a comeback with Taeyong and I was I was very worried about Taeyong <laughs> because he had a back issue and oh. he was like recovering oh, no. it for a while and we all know that K-pop industry is wild yeah. and they had him like work with that injury so I was like really worried i'm still am but oh well yes that's all i had to do <laughs> um i would i would give my week a five out of ten wow four five six no wait yeah five yeah yeah four five six wow well we can hold hands you guys we can hold hands we're all linked yeah the second it's been a great support, like, not gonna lie. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. 
I was about to say that we never talk about practicing our intonation anymore when we ask <laughs> yeah, about right. our tuning, but oh, yeah. Rebecca, you kind of mentioned practicing, so yeah. one of us got it in. I feel like it's just really hard. I, I'm finding practicing really hard recently. Uh-huh. I got more into it once the semester started. Where I was like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. My recital. But now it's like the question of what if our recitals don't happen? Okay. What's the point? Okay. We don't know because we don't know because it's the university issue of there's too many people here and that can ruin it for us. Yeah. And yeah. the option of like plan B is still like, do we need a plan B? Okay. What is the plan B? Right. <sighs> it's been a year and for a lot of people it's not like an excuse anymore but the fact that i have to practice in my room is really hard for me mm. yes i don't think that's an excuse because when you like go somewhere then it's like okay i'm here like to to do the thing to practice the thing yeah. oh totally but yeah. when i'm in my room it's like okay it's my chill space i mean i it could be an excuse because it's been a year already so yeah. i should be used by now mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's... No, because, I mean, I, in, like, undergrad, and also last year when we were in person, I treated practicing like going to work. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, you practice at school. Like, I got up in the morning, and I went to class, and then I would practice, and I come home, and I leave my violin there. Because you do need, like, a mental moment of just, like, okay, I need separation from this thing made out of wood. Like, (laughs) and that... And now that we're having like my office and my chill space and my schoolroom and my practice room and is my bedroom. Yeah. And it's too much. Like right. it's it's we a lot for we basically spend the whole day in yeah. our bedrooms. Yes. I've been spending all day sitting down, so it's been wonderful. <laughs> I mean, when the doctor was like, just do everything sitting down until Sunday, I was like, no problem. <laughs> no problem. I got gotcha. you. I <laughs> trust. <laughs> Sitting down, <laughs> done. <laughs> so, not gonna change my. Not life. a challenge for me, mm-hmm. especially since we're on Zoom. And I mean, I'm just in my apartment all day. So that's true. Not a bad time for an ankle sprain. I guess. Literally, like, could have been the best time to have it. Actually, though, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh. But anyway, well, I guess this is the end of our third week of Black History Month episode, right? Yeah. And our 20th episode. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot. Our 20th episode. You guys, next week, it's its 21st birthday. I hope you guys all have a little drink while you listen to us. Actually, don't. That's a bad idea. Because some people (laughs) listen to this while they drive. Um, (laughs) Um. Maybe we'll have just a tiny little bit of wine or something to celebrate. Just have a little fun. Um, I like that idea. Yeah. That, and that'll be a, that's a good idea, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, as always, you can find us on Instagram at Out of Tune Pod, on Facebook, Out of Tune Podcast. And our episodes go up every Saturday in the morning. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast any others i'm missing i don't think so um and this has been out of tune thank you on zoom thank you guys (laughs) that was so cute (laughs) Bye. bye